Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, what's going on today, guys? Uh, seems like it's been a pretty slow news day. Oh, wait, no, it's been actually a lot crazier than Saturday was. Welcome into the Georgia Show. Jake Rowe, Palmer Toms, I'm Wes Blankenship. Fire off your comments. Appreciate y'all joining us. We'll let the uh, masses congregate and gather here, and uh, we will just flap our gums until y'all have something to say to us. I'm sure there's a lot of topics here. Chip on my shoulder with the Go Dogs. Congratulations, Chip. You are the first fan to comment. And I like your avatar. Hunker down one more time. I like that. Uh, chip on the shoulder is not the least bit concerned. All right, guys, are you concerned? Are you concerned about anything right now as it pertains to Georgia or uh, the dogs' rivals? That's the big story in college football right now. Nah, not really. Uh, you know, having a chance to kind of go back and watch a little bit of the game today. Just you know, when those three when those three turnover two turnover games pop up, you tend to struggle. Um, and there was something that I thought in real time that I that I said. I, I know I said it on the board, but Georgia was just. I mean, they were filling up, you know, barrels of uh, with momentum and just giving it, just putting it on the truck, taking it right over to the other sideline and giving it to. Uh, uh, Kent State, uh, and and uh, still found a way to win by 17 points. Bad game. I don't think this is who Georgia is, and uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of get to my thoughts on that kind of thing later on whenever we do uh, uh, stock report. Yeah, no, not concerned here either. I mean, you know, th- like Jake said, three turnovers. Kirby liked to refer to it as four after the game, counting the uh, the the fake punt conversion that Kent State had. Um, three turnovers, four turnovers, however you want to put it. You turn the ball over that many times. You give the other team that many opportunities uh, to, to capitalize on, you're going to struggle. Uh, and, and, and to go and win a game like that by 17, uh, you know, is, is pretty impressive because there's a lot of teams that uh, you do that and, and they are not going to win. Um, you know, I think this was a, Kirby told us that this was a good Kent State team. I don't know that we all gave them as much credit as we probably should have, but you know they, they had some players on that offense, wide receivers, uh, running backs that, that are going to that, that could play. You know, at Georgia, they, you know, maybe not be at the major contributors that yeah, they probably are. not starters, but they rotate. Right, exactly. They, they they may not be the the centerpiece of the offense, but they're definitely a part of it. Um, you know, this is a Kent State team that went on the road and played Oklahoma, played Washington. They, they were not afraid of coming into Sanford Stadium, uh, you know, and, and whereas the dogs come out and they sleepwalk a little bit for that noon kickoff. So not concerned here, um, you know, kind of the result of, you know, a, a bunch of different factors. And, you know, ultimately when you come away with a 17-point win – and everything that was going against you, I think that it says a lot about this team. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a few hours has helped Georgia fans not beat up Lad McConkey so much uh, for the tough day. He was an easy scapegoat in the moment. I think because of the shock factor. I think you're used to seeing Lad McConkey be so sure-handed. And not only does he drop the punt, muff the punt, turn it over, he had another fumble. And he also had one easy touchdown in his hands in the end zone and also dropped another touchdown that arguably he could have gone on untouched after catching it yesterday. So a bad day for Ladd, and he still ends up being Georgia's leading receiver. I saw a lot of sentiment on my social media timelines today that, you know, now that the rational Georgia fans have had a few hours to put this one behind us, there was an interesting, encouraging, uplifting angle to this story that Ladd, even though he was the dog uh, in the first half, turns it around, second half, and puts it together and builds his confidence. And I saw uh, 
Jake, you mentioned, I believe, uh, earlier today, I, I want to say I don't want to put words in your mouth, maybe it was Palmer, uh, that it was a smart choice for Georgia to go back to Ladd and help him get some of that confidence back. No doubt about it. And Kirby Smart's comments afterward are the reason why. Georgia needs Ladd McConkey. They needed Ladd McConkey last year, and they, they definitely need him even more this year. He's a good football player, man. He, he's he's going to return punts. He's going to break a big one at some point returning punts he, he I mean, it's a guy that scored a touchdown for you in the sec championship game when you were trying to you know stay in that game i mean he's shown that he can do things for you against big time competition and uh you know you, you can't really you can't really say well hey go out there and do some things poorly and you're done you know that's just not the way this game works uh you know so some at some point, most guys are going to go out there and, and have a bad game. I mean, I, I saw Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb go out and have bad games. Uh, you know, I've seen some of the you know Brock Bowers hadn't yet, not necessarily, not necessarily from a dropping the football or or uh, or turning. He's, he's an alien, though. He's, yeah, he's not human. Yeah, he's he not is. From planet. He's from uh, Planet Krypton. And, uh, you know, so he, he's a different cat. But most people are going to have bad days. And Lab McConkey have one on Saturday. Georgia needs to make sure that he is in uh, he's in the best shape possible to go to Missouri this, this coming week and not have a bad day. And the best way to do that is to get him involved in the second half. And then, you know, lo and behold, he makes a catch that was probably tougher than any of the catches that he didn't make uh, there in the second half, which was a big thing for him. Here's what uh, Kirby had to say after the game about Ladd. We saw Kirby getting his face mask, really chew him out after that turnover. Kirby hates turnovers more than uh, gluten intolerant people hate bread. But Kirby got in his face mask, let him hear about it. People were wondering, is this part of the reason why Ladd started to spiral? Here's what Kirby said about that interaction and what he saw from Ladd in the game. Allowing such an uncharacteristic game. Just that, love you. You know, I was upset with him there. Really, I was more upset with the punt, not the fumble, because the fumble's happened. But the punt was more decision. You know, the, the, the fumble was something else. But there's nobody feels any worse than Lad, right? And we need Lad. We're gonna go where we need to go. Lad, Lad's a big part of our offense. He's a big weapon for us. Yep, and that hits the nail on the head. Chip on my shoulder, keeping our comments hot. Kirby's happiness during the post-game interview told him everything he needed to know. Ultimately, guys, when you see Georgia show a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you bring up the Superman reference there, Jake, taking on Kent State, you see Georgia show a little bit of weakness, a little bit of kryptonite. What do you think it ultimately means for this team this season? I don't think it's weakness. I just think it was poor play. And, you know, that comes down to that. Now you got to try to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, at least not to that extent, uh, and definitely want to try to make sure it doesn't happen in one of your bigger games that you have left. But, I, I you know, the, the, all this talk of being exposed, and I don't know, man, I, I think there are just some folks out there that the, their way of coping with disappointment is just to, you know, blow it all out of proportion. Um, what was the most outrageous take you saw, either from a Georgia fan or from anybody, about that Georgia what got meant? exposed? that somehow Kent State exposed – how? Oh, yeah, Kent State exposed that Georgia is uh, capable of turning the ball over? Okay, that that works. Because, again, Georgia continued to handle momentum with those turnovers, with those penalties, and, uh, and Kent State was able to not get any closer than arm's length. Palmer, um, you wrote – you're uh sorry, Jay. Go ahead. No, no, no. That that's just what I had. I mean, I I just it's it's almost it's kind of dumbfounding a little bit. Like you just kind of got to look at this game and to say, hey, all right, listen, did my team come out and make me proud today? No, but <laughs> is it the end of the world? Also, no. Did they is get that dub? A really good football team. Yeah. I said that Kent State is the best one loss team in the country, and part of me believes it. Uh, my Ohio State win-win team in the country. What did I say? One loss. One loss. Yeah. Yeah. One win. One win team, uh, because they were crisp and they were sharp and yeah. they came to play. Palmer, you wrote in your uh, weekly rest and react piece today some thoughts that you had after sitting on it, chilling for a little bit. What was the number one thing that you take away from the game after having some time to marinate? That they just didn't. Georgia didn't execute. Uh, you know, that they, they threw away several opportunities. I mean, go back and look at 
the red zone woes, the, the kind of the same problem that they had against Samford a couple weeks ago. Uh, but you didn't see it to the fullest extent. You, you, you didn't see it on the scoreboard. That one, that game being any closer because Georgia didn't turn the ball over three times, but you know, here Georgia fails to, you know, get three times in the red zone. They kick field goals instead of uh, p- punching them in for touchdowns. You change those, uh, you know, from three to seven, this game looks a lot different, even with those turnovers. You don't make those turnovers. Uh, you execute everything a little bit better, whether that's, you know, controlling possession, uh, you know, red zone efficiency and stuff like that. You execute a little bit better, and and this game looks a lot different. But Georgia still won pretty big. I mean, a 17-point win is nothing to, you know, scoff at. And, uh you know, I, I mean, I, I think that uh, the, the the rational Georgia fans are, are coming to realize that today. Um, and, and then the other thing I realized is just Brock Bowers is a freak. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, but Brock Bowers, uh, I know we'll get into another one of my takeaways later uh, on Dejan Edwards, but Brock Bowers, man, I mean, that cat is different. When you watch him in real time, because on TV, you've got, you know, the the high angle, the high view. You have that in the press box, too. But does he look that fast? Because on TV, it really does not look like he is running that fast. It's like an optical illusion. And it almost seems like the defense sees that, too. It's like they can't get the proper angle of attack on the guy. But before you know it, he's gone. I mean, he did it against UAB. That was his welcome to college football moment last season. Did it against Georgia Tech. We'll talk about Jeff Collins here in a moment, what that means for Georgia to see him go. Uh, but he did it again yesterday on that 75 yard. Did it against South Carolina. And South Carolina. I mean, it's like a weekly thing now. No, I mean, he doesn't it, – it's not like track speed. I mean, he doesn't look – Game like speed. He, right. I mean, he, he when he's out there running, he doesn't look like – Arian Smith or Matthew Bowling or somebody out there like that would running, but you got to keep in mind that this is somebody who is what six four two forty. I mean, just absolutely for that size to have that speed uh, is is freakish. It's it. There is no way to describe him other than he is a freak of nature. Uh, Georgia has two freaks of nature in that tight end room with Darnell Washington. And every time that Kirby gets asked about Brock, he makes sure to bring up Darnell as well. Um, because Smart. A, a lot of things that, that Brock does don't happen without Darnell. I mean, go look at that 75 yard touchdown. There's a kickout block from Darnell Washington that opened things up and, and Brock, you know, gets the credit for it because he runs 75 yards to the house and out, you know, makes that, uh, you know, beats that guy to that the the defender to that spot, and and you know coming in on an angle there. But that doesn't happen if if Brock doesn't get past that line of scrimmage and Darnell doesn't make that block. So um, two freaks of nature in that tight end room. Uh, one is is clearing the way for the other, and uh, you know I think both. If you can get the ball in their hands, they can do special things with it. Brock is like that old school like. Notre Dame four horsemen uh, kind of football player. It's just, it looks like he's from a time portal. It looks like he does not even belong in modern day football, yet here he is still embarrassing defenses. And I think that says a lot about what Todd Munkin's able to do, uh, whether it's before the snap, getting him involved. But somehow, you know, there's three games of tape now if you're Kent State, four games of tape moving forward, and Brock is still shredding everybody. Yeah, he. Uh, there's somebody uh, that covers Georgia, a colleague of ours. Um, don't want to bring his name up because I don't know if he wants his name on this, but uh, he always kind of says uh, when Brock gets the ball and gets going, he's like uh, the ghost of Red Grange. He just kind of seems like an old school arms and legs going everywhere. It's not smooth. It's not like a track star. No, when, when um, he finally crosses the goal line, he looks like he's just relieved to still be alive sometimes. Yeah, yeah running like he's lost his mind. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I tell you what, I don't I don't necessarily think about whether or not he looks fast anymore just because I know he is. <laughs> I just know he is. So, uh, I, I told you, you know, during or post-game the other day, or maybe it was during the game, 
Um, I mean, I, 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 he's almost in that Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley um, arrow area where I'm like, every time he touches the ball, he breaks the tackle. If he's got a little bit of space to get going, I feel like he might take it all away. Almost. I mean, he's definitely in that because, you know, I mean, he has three carries on the season. He has three touchdowns there. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously he's catching the ball as well, but, you know, he has shown, and I wrote this today, he has shown that he is just as dangerous as a ball carrier as he is as a receiver. I mean, and that is yeah, scary. I would, I, I would counter with the idea that most of his ball carrying stuff is meant is, – is, almost in the gimmick play thing. So he's not running between the tackles. Be, yeah. It's meant to be big play type stuff. Um, you know, whereas he doesn't really have to give anybody the body blows to, to kind of loosen up a defense like uh, other running backs do. But I mean, he, he brings more in the passing game. I mean, when you, when you could catch a little tight end hot pass over the middle, that's like a, you know, supposed to be a 12 yard gain and then get through two tacklers and go 75 yards or however long that was, or 80-something yards, I can't even remember that that's special. I mean, he's done it over and over and over again. Um, there will never be another tight end, I don't think, in Georgia history that will do that will put up the big play numbers that he has. The, the, the plays of 50 yards or more, I think he's probably got, what, five or six of them at this point. Um, I mean, that's, that's probably blown any Georgia tight end record out of the books at this point. I mean, we he's got, got two this year. Yeah. I know he had at least one last year. So, uh, Vandy, I want to say. I don't know if he had one of 50 or more against Vandy. He had the oh, one against more. I UAB. I think Georgia Tech was above that. Right. Yeah. Too. Georgia yeah. Tech. There you go. So, 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 there's four that we've come up with. Yeah, just at least that many. We've got some comments coming in. I'll uh, definitely highlight y'all in a moment, but I want to give a shout out to our crew over at uh, Breaking T. And they are highlighting the NIL uh, release of some really cool Georgia merch and apparel right now. Got the link in the uh, description of the show if you're watching on replay. I believe it's in there now as well. Uh, so follow that. Peruse, see what they got. They got some cool stuff from the mailman. They got some cool stuff. Uh, speaking of Brock Bowers with the sweet stiff arm right here. And Christopher Smith with the Savage Pads and the Salute picked up another set of those yesterday against Kent State. And Darnell Washington leaping the defender there and some other sweet stuff too uh, that you will definitely enjoy. You could always use another Georgia shirt, right? Can't have too many. Uh, speaking of the comments here, we have a very active section made up of Chip on my shoulder and Matthew C. tonight. Matt says uh, the dogs will be fine. He had an adult beverage-induced knee-jerk reaction. Who hasn't had one of those? But he says in the light of a new day, he knows Kirby will fix it. Wonders if Deion Sanders – let's uh, let's start talking about tech. You knew we were going to talk about it tonight. Jeff Collins out, uh, according to reports from the AJC. Uh, he wonders if Coach Prime would be the best hire for Georgia Tech or Chadwell. Chadwell. I don't know about that one. Um I think Georgia Tech's in a lot of trouble. And we talked about this last week. I think we all saw the writing on the wall, guys. I mean, this was going to happen at some point. But Tech, uh, again, just continues to fall into football anonymity. And that's troubling for a brand that historically meant a lot. Uh, but now it, it really does feel like an ancient relic. Do you guys have any feeling, any kind of vibe uh, of who you think Tech might try to go after? I mean, I think they should go after Deion Sanders because they need an high, a higher, a splash higher like that, while also getting the stars to align for that program to get back on the map. I mean, listen, there's a one in one, there's a one in five hundred, I'll say, chance that that program's ever going to be worth anything anymore, and that's just, just all there is to it. I mean, that program is in shambles. I don't know that there's anybody out there that's, that would take that job that can fix that job. And uh, that's just where they're at, man. And uh, it's not going to get any easier uh, for them, you know, in the long term. I mean, I envision this being a situation where 30 years down the road, Georgia's back in some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, pre-Mart Rick, Kirby Smart 
type 2000s thing where maybe they're, you know, kind of just plodding along and making bowl games or something. And uh, they're still beating Tech because Tech's awful. So I just – I don't see anybody being able to get that thing back on track. Yeah, I mean, as as far as Dion goes, you know, I just don't know. From everything that I've seen and heard is that he would ha- – I don't know that that would be a great fit for him, you know, that he might have some trouble, um, you know, with the academic restrictions that are put on, um, you know, Georgia Tech and coaches there. Um, the name that comes to mind for me, and, and I saw – um, you know, somebody reporting this today as, as a potential one, um, you know, a name that would be considered, and it's got Georgia ties. Todd Munkin was mentioned by CBS Sports, uh, but Del McGee. His name's well. mentioned in every list now. It's just and, kind and, of a de facto thing. That's kind of what, what the, the Todd Munkin mentioned said was, hey, you know, we mentioned him for Arizona State. We're going to mention him here. He, he developed this quarterback in Stetson Bennett, and he's got this offense going on – the right trajectory, but Del McGee is an interesting one to me because of the connections that he has in this state. Um, you know, he hasn't been a head college head coach before. Um, and, and that, I mean, Todd Munkin has, um, you know, I, I think that the connections that Dell has in this state, uh, you know, from his days coaching in high school, but also his days recruiting at Georgia, uh, he, he's built up a great relationship with coaches around this state. Uh, you know, the kind of thing that would be incredibly beneficial to Georgia Tech trying to recruit in the state of Georgia where it's already so difficult. Um, and, and to me, that's that's a hire that, that could be uh, impactful on Georgia as well, because I think you would look at I, I think he would look at um, some of these other Georgia assistants, you know, that aren't coordinators now to maybe try and sway them to come to with him to tech as coordinators. Um, you know, take a Trey Scott, for example, somebody that doesn't really look like he's in line to receive a defensive coordinator job at Georgia. Um, you know, with, with Glenn Schumann here currently and Will Muschamp here, uh, you know, as well. Um, you know, those two guys sharing that title, uh, you know, he would appear at least third in line or at, or at best third in line uh, on for Georgia defensive coordinator position. Uh, you know, w- would that be somebody that if Dell were to get that job, maybe he tries to bring him over as a defensive coordinator? Um, you know, Brian McClendon is somebody that has offensive coordinating experience uh, that isn't an offensive coordinator right now. Um, so, you know, the, the, those are a couple names that I think, uh, you know, how it impacts Georgia, uh, you know, Del McGee is somebody that I, I have, you know, seen on some watch lists already. It just doesn't feel right, man. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't It doesn't add up to me. Um, I'm not saying that it, he wouldn't consider it if it happened. I remember McGee's name came up the last time Tech was trying to fill this job, and uh, Georgia was able to hold on to him. But I think the Georgia ties, Columbus area, that all makes sense to me. That adds up. Um, it just the Georgia to Georgia Tech thing it just so rarely happens. It's just strange to think about. You know, I, I asked Kirby, gosh, it was Paul Johnson's last game. I didn't know Paul was about to be let go. I think it was one of the last questions in the post-game press conference. I, you know, I brought up to Kirby, you guys have to spend a lot of time each season preparing for the triple option. You know, how, how much longer do you want to feel like – you know, you're going to have to go up against this weird offense. And Kirby, I think, knew that Paul was going to be canned. This is the, It's the only way I can describe, explain why he said what he said. But he said, you know, you wait long enough, you won't have to face it any longer. Sure enough, reports came out that weekend or that week that Paul was out. So now Tech's in a different stratosphere, though. They were trying to lure a candidate as someone that was going to take over for the triple option and install whatever they wanted to do and do this crazy transition away from that. Now you're just trying to transition away from being bad. I mean, they're, they're worse than they were with uh, Paul Johnson there. And I don't think Jeff Collins, I think part of the package deal, part of the equation that led to him, you know, getting the boot was the fact that tech never beat a team that finished the season with a winning record. I mean, that's horrible. Yeah, they they tried to modernize 
and it just it it just resulted in a bunch of lost ball games. And uh, you know, I'll say this though. I mean, I think somebody's going to get a really good defensive coordinator now that Jeff Collins is back on the market. He's done a good job at a lot of different places, uh, but they tried to modernize so that they could recruit, and they found out they can't recruit that well. well. And yeah. there you go. I think uh, part of the equation here too. My last point on this before we move on and actually talk about the team that we're paid to cover uh, is the fact that. Jeff Collins did understand that this era of NIL and branding was on the horizon. And I remember getting a tour of Georgia Tech's facilities. He was all about Georgia Tech's brand for the 404. He was made fun of because Georgia Tech never won anything. But I saw where his head was, you know, appealing to recruits in Atlanta, how big of a deal that is, how hot of a city that is. On paper, it makes sense. But it's a lesson now that in this NIL era, I think is very important. You can have all the branding nailed down. You can have the you know, transition from the rambling wreck into a Lamborghini or whatever they did with Adidas. I mean, you can do all the cool stuff. You can have the great videos made and the, the high-tech productions made. No pun intended there. But if you don't win football games, none of that stuff matters. And I think that's a very important lesson moving forward. And whoever comes in, they're going to have to rely on more than just the glitz and glamour of Atlanta because no one cares if you're not winning ball games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And Wes, I got one more point on that. Atlanta, to a lot of people, and I'm not saying it's to everybody because, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours, Wes, uh, Sam Franco, dude's a proud at Atlian, okay? Yep. Like he is, he is a proud um, Atlantan. And, uh, but, when you look at how many people actually live and you know make their domicile in Atlanta proper and the amount of kids who go to school in Atlanta proper, there are a lot of people that live on the fringes of Atlanta that are not all that fired up about Atlanta. They don't go into Atlanta unless they absolutely have to. It's a crucial city for the United States, but it's just not as awesome and cool as some other big cities are. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just kind of the dynamic. It's the weirdness of it. it it's 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 a lot of i mean and georgia's had to fight against this right i mean you've you've had kids like you know like a calvin uh, calvin johnson's a bad example because he did go to georgia tech but you know you've had kids from from the atlanta area whether it's you know southwest southeast northeast south you know northwest that have not even wanted to go to georgia because they're not all that enthused about staying close to where they grew up and going yeah they want they want the exact opposite get me out of here you've got a bunch of commuters you know i mean or or a bunch of not commuters but you got a bunch of people that are transplants that they grew up in texas or they grew up in wherever and then they you know move to georgia and build a family and raise their kids ohio state fans or texas fans happens all the time so it's just a very different dynamic than a lot of these you know, places that have homegrown cities that you can just reach in and grab from. Uh, it's just, it's hard. And, and listen, we're finding out that, you know, everybody, all right, Miami, Florida, Florida State, Texas, Texas A&M, Southern Cal, you go to all these big metropolises and everybody's having trouble keeping kids at home now because of the world we live in and the way that they can get out and connect and, uh, and get things figured out on, on a way to see the world. So, yeah. I mean, Georgia's benefited from that. Look at yeah. Isaiah Wilson. You know, who would have thought that kid would have ever wanted to be near Athens, Georgia? Yeah. There, there he went. You know, I mean, Palmer, look at him. He could have <laughs> gone to Vandy or Tennessee, but he said, hell no, I'm going to be a dog. I didn't have the grades to get into Vandy. Um, I don't think anyone on this call <laughs> did or, or in the comments. Uh, Palmer, look, man, speaking of the Vols, Let's start chopping some wood. Let's look around the SEC. Let's look around college football. Uh, Before we do that, we invite you to hit subscribe on this YouTube channel. Whether you're watching live, watching a replay, we appreciate the commentary, and we do it live. We'll do it live. So come on in. 
Uh, and if you're subscribed, you'll know every time we do the, one of these things. And still got that $1 for one year membership going on over at dogshq.com. These two guys on the screen with me pumping out premium content. I dabble as well. I put some out there uh, every once in a while. So uh, come check out our expertise, the inside knowledge, the inside recruiting knowledge that we have covering the dogs. All right, y'all, let's chop some wood. Palmer, you got some stuff uh, internally. I think you're the only one of the three of us that is all dogs. Is this your, chopping not, wood or chopping is this, stock, this is stock dog, dog stocks? This dog is dog stocks. stocks. Let's. Uh, I got too many segments. That was Let's almost go. catastrophic. With it's <laughs> all right. We'll we'll edit it in the. Somebody uh, almost got hurt. We will. Yeah, I didn't sharpen my axe for this show. <laughs> uh, what is the uh, the dog stock? Are you up or down this week, Palmer? I am up on two dogs in particular, um, and and I could go the direction of stock up on Palmer's players to watch because I had two, both these guys in there. You do like not, to accentuate when you're right. and But I I'm run. not going to do that because I also, the other two players in there did not touch the field on Saturday. But uh, the two that did and the two that impressed me and the two that I am stock up on are Dejan Edwards and uh, Bear Alexander. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast uh, for a while now, but before it was the Georgia show, when it, when it was dog just me and, with dog walk talk with me and Roos, you were back uh, the drum. Roos, Roos would, Roos would be in here quickly saying that I'm a Dejan Edwards hater. Uh, was not, was not a noted Dejan Edwards fan last season, often forgot about him, uh, but you can't forget about him with the way that he played on Saturday. Uh, you know, led Georgia in carries, uh, on Saturday had 12 carries, the only player in double digits there had 73 yards. If it was not for Brock Bowers being an alien running for 75 yards on the second play of the game, Dejan Edwards would have led the team in rushing. So in, in terms of the running backs, he did lead the team in rushing was it was ahead of Kenny McIntosh who had nine for 44 Kendall Milton had nine for 41. Uh, Dejan Edwards is, is getting stock up on Dejan Edwards. He is going to get more touches. He is really impressing me. Uh, and, and, and as the Georgia run game has not impressed me all that much this season, uh, again, you know, granted they went over 200 yards and it, it just doesn't seem all that flashy. Dejan Edwards is, is a really good, solid running back. Uh, Bear Alexander on the defensive side of the football though. Uh, wrote about him today. Encourage you to go check that piece out. Um, Kirby told us during fall camp that Bear Alexander and Kristen Miller, fellow freshmen of his, uh, those two guys were going to have to play some snaps for this team early in their college careers. That came true on Saturday as, as Bear played quite a bit in place of Jalen Carter. Carter played one snap in the game at fullback, did not see the field on defense, uh, Bear Alexander was out there in some big situations, and they were testing him, and he stood up to the test. Had one tackle, one pass breakup, but just to be out there uh, says a lot about what he's done behind the scenes. And, and Kirby Smart told us after the game, you know, hey, this is – he got to play a lot more because he had his best week of practice this week. And, uh, you know, so stock up on, on Bear Alexander. Kirby, I've noticed I, – I don't know if it's uh, more this year than normal, but I've really noticed him highlighting guys in his comments about how well they practice, about liking how well they practice, about what they bring to the practice field. It, am I uh, making that up or have you all noticed that too? I, I, th I think he has done that, but I think he's always done that. He, he's always put a big emphasis on on how well you practice. Jake, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but I, but I see what Wes is talking he about. He said about, 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 bringing, about him bringing up more people. Um, you know, I mean, I, I feel like he's made more references to guys having good practices this year than I've heard in, in years past. I mean, I wouldn't say he's like doubled it or tripled it or anything, but it's up. Anyway, Talked stock up. up. My stock is up on Bear Alexander and Dejan Edwards. Love it. 
How about you? By the way, did uh, that picture you put up of Barry Alexander? Does that not look like Devontae Wyatt is wearing Jordan Davis's jersey? It does. Like he looks like he looks like Devontae Wyatt in shoulder pads. I've like I I had to look like three times uh, during warm ups. I'm like, holy smack! Is that is that Devontae Wyatt? No, no, it can't be. Um, I don't want to generalize just because he's a big guy, but he is a big dude. Uh, We're getting any any indication that. George is really going to have to manage his weight like they did with George. No, Davis. I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, he looks to be in incredible shape there. I mean, you know, the thing about Jordan Davis is Jordan Davis is six six, just a massive human being. Like he's just, he's one of those guys that you know he can eat bad for six days and and put on you know fifteen pounds. He could also yeah. you know. He could also drink a lot of water and intermittent fast for six days Shredded. and lose 20 pounds, you know? So, um, you know, but no, I haven't heard anything about that with, with Bear Alexander. Yeah. And he's just, a, he's just a different cat. I think he's going to be more in the six two six three range as opposed to that six six range carrying 350 Really pounds. impressive that he came so, back too after that injury in the spring. So I just pulled up the listed height and weight on all three of those guys that we've mentioned here. Jordan Davis, 6'6", 340. Devontae Wyatt, 6'3", 315. Uh, Bear Alexander, 6'3", 305. So very much so see that comparison between Devontae and Bear. Uh, obviously, Bear being a true freshman can can you know yeah, shift that scary. weight around. That 305 uh, is going to get shifted around in, in good ways. Uh, probably already has started to get, get shifted around. Uh, and, and we're talking about Wyatt's numbers as as a you know senior at Georgia, a future first round pick, um, you know just months before that. So, uh, not saying Bear Alexander is going to be a first round pick, but he could. Uh, be. I think yeah, I think that's what you're saying. I think you can uh, go ahead and claim that, Jake. Stocks up, stocks down. Hey, right, listen, I only do stock ups. Okay, I'm, I'm just uh, I uh, I just ask my people to judge me on my losers because there are so few. Uh, um, great reference Jake yeah I love that god I, I could watch it right now I could watch that movie 24 hours a day um, lions and tigers and bears uh, listen I got stock up on uh, Ohio State Alabama uh, Michigan any team this week that could possibly be brought up in Georgia's tier stock up baby because Georgia struggled Okay, Georgia didn't look good against Kent State. So all of those teams, by your hot takers out there, all of those teams are going to be better. All of a sudden, Georgia's not what we what we saw against a ranked Oregon team, not what you saw against South Carolina. Georgia is the recency bias of it all is going to put Georgia as what we saw against Kent State, a team that turned it over three times and had two horrible penalties at the worst possible time and screwed themselves out of – being able to score 50-plus points and kind of blow up a, a, a good mid-major team out of the way. I still love calling them mid-majors because it's that whole NCAA tournament thing. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, come on. Come on, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. Stocks are up. I want to buy them before they go up because I'm going to listen to sports radio this week because I do every week, and I'm going to listen to some podcasts. And those teams are going to get some love because – all of a sudden, Georgia didn't look like a juggernaut, so it's time to love those teams a little bit more. Uh, and that's just kind of the way it is. That's the, that's the world we live in. That's what gets rewarded. And, uh, um, you know, congrats to those teams for winning, for uh, for the love that they're going to get in week five because the number one team in the country didn't necessarily look like the number one team in the country for a week. Bryce Young looks like he's ready to go film another Dr. Pepper commercial in this photo <laughs> here. Uh, were you guys surprised that – no one got a little more smoke to jump Georgia in the polls this week. I know you don't really care about that, but with that recency bias being noted and Ohio State looking really good, Bama looking really good against Vanderbilt, but I'm not sure that Vanderbilt wouldn't lose to Kent State, if we're being honest, if we're playing that game. Were we all a little surprised that, uh, that Georgia stayed on top? Well, I think, uh, I think Georgia did lose six first-place votes. Okay. Um, and Ohio State may have gotten those because Ohio State either had one or none last week, and it mm-hmm. had, I think, four or six this week. 
So, and I'm talking about the coaches poll. I write the coaches poll. Palmer writes the AP poll. So and, I don't know what changed there, but I'm, as far as the coaches poll goes, I'm not surprised Georgia didn't fall out of that top spot because, I mean, I tend to think most, you know, most of the people who actually vote on these things, you know, were pretty reasonable. I mean, I was listening to Barrett Salee and Andy Staples, two guys I really appreciate and like. I mean, I I, I really enjoy it when I run into those guys. And, you know, they were talking, oh, well, you know, maybe Georgia – isn't as good as they were last year on defense. Uh, you know, no something Sherlock, okay? Of mm -hmm. course they're not. But – That had nothing to do with this game. Yeah, that's the – yeah, that's just not the – but, you know, at the end of the day they said, yeah, Georgia's still the number one team in the country, which I definitely agree with. And, and we'll see where they're at until somebody knocks them off. But right now Georgia's got the most impressive win of the season over a ranked team. AP poll expert here. Georgia went down four votes there. All four of those went to Ohio State. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that they only lost that many for first place votes. Uh, I, I was thinking that we may see, you know, a little bit less. I mean, in the 40s or 30s for Georgia as opposed to 55 like they received this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I, I was a little bit surprised that they still were a resounding number one. Um, I thought that they probably would be number one because I, again, like Jake said, I think most of the people that vote, especially in the AP poll um, are pretty reasonable about it. Cause I'm not all too convinced that the coaches poll is actually really voted on by the coaches. The SID poll. Yeah. The SID yeah, poll. The SID poll. Um, but you know, I, I do think that, um the ap poll is is pretty good um and i don't know i mean again maybe it's maybe all these polls are just uh if you win you stay where you are if you lose you don't you yeah it's what you it's what you get to keep up with when you're following the number one team in the country i do have a, a note on that though look at how good vegas was at this game because if lad doesn't have the turnovers and the drops i mean you're sitting right at that number it's kind of crazy it's kind yeah. of crazy how dialed in they are. And I think the people that saw the game and do vote on these polls, you know, probably took that into account as well. This game should not have been that close if Georgia's having its A game. I have a stock down because you guys are so Pollyanna on everything else. Stock down on Tigers in the SEC. I know Palmer's going to call me out because LSU look good, but LSU's still not, not that good. All right, I mean, that, that game to start the season is still – Don't say bad things about my family. My family. My family. Uh, I will say bad things about Coach Kelly's family because that loss was, was terrible. But, look, even worse than that, the battle of the Tigers on the plains. Two mules fighting over a turnip. The way this game was lost, I don't even want to say the way it was won. There were reports out there that Brian Harson could have gotten the boot if Auburn lost. I'm surprised they still didn't do it anyway, guys. And this is the this is the next two teams that Georgia's going to play. I mean, you talk about a get-right opportunity. Kirby probably wishes that game in Columbia next week was at noon. I mean, it's going to be regardless of what Kirby said about how he, you know, he's glad that the team grew up and it was a moment for the team to grow and face adversity. I know that there is value in that, but some of the sloppiness is going to result in a, a few extra win sprints this week, I would imagine. And I think everybody involved is going to be pretty eager to exercise those demons and get right. And Missouri next week is going to be the, uh, just just the unfortunate beneficiary of a lot of that. And then Auburn, who knows what's going on by the time that Georgia faces Auburn and Brian Harson and that whole mess. I mean, we saw a surge of Auburn fans this offseason really rally behind Coach Harson. Hey, almost beat Bama. I mean, there's that at least. We almost beat Bama. But now I think everyone's kind of come back down to earth. This dude doesn't really belong in the SEC. So uh, crazy coaching carousel already starting to turn. Seems like it happens every uh, season a little bit earlier now. And you've got two big rivals for Georgia, if you want to call them rivals. Tech, at least, has been somewhat more competitive against the dogs than Auburn has as of late. Georgia's just dominating Auburn. Um, 
Who knows what the future holds for those two programs? Maybe they're competing or trying to go after some of the same candidates whenever, if and when Harson is out the door. But these are two teams in the SEC right now that I don't believe are playing SEC caliber, SEC quality football in the way that we're traditionally known to experience it. So eyes on that one. And I think Georgia's got a couple good opponents coming up for Georgia's sake anyway. Well, and and add in Vanderbilt while you're at it, who lost. Oh, yeah. by, I've already beat up on Vanderbilt a little by, too much. I, that 50, whatever. Low-hanging uh, fruit at this point. Hey, Wes, you, you mentioned Vegas, and, and I think that's a perfect segue into uh, an update on how we did this weekend. Yeah, how do uh, we do? Staff pick them. Um, congratulations. The three of us are tied for first place for this week. What else is new? Going one and four. Jake I mean, Ruth there's only one other five. person. <laughs> so, so combined, combined between the four of us, we went three and seventeen. Dang, I've got to check my own picks because I just have to make sure that Palmer is giving <laughs> yeah, me we my need a, We need to do a recount here. Did Arkansas not cover? Did that they lose kick. by two or two and a half? They, they lost, they lost by three. two. They definitely didn't lose. Okay, by they, two okay. And a half. Then, then, then we, yeah, they didn't lose by two and a half. I thought they lost by three. Now, then we all, then we all won that one. So we so went. Still, all of yeah. us went two and three, and Roos went one and four. You know, I don't want to get out of here without talking about Florida and Tennessee, and, and that was one that we picked, and that was the one that I really uh, lasered in on. And I don't know if Napier just isn't ready. For the moment, I'm, I'm not banging up on him if he isn't. He's a first-year head coach in the SEC. But Neyland really knocked him off his block a little bit there, one way yeah. or another. They got between his ears, man. i tell you what, though. I, I, I had two takeaways from that game. One, Tennessee's offense is great. Um, you know, Josh Heupel did a really good job. Even without Tillman, they, they were able to kind of gash Florida. Tennessee's defense kind of sucks, okay? And – Listen, Anthony Richardson was terrible, terrible. Had more tackles and touchdown throws going into the game. Going into that game. He wasn't even – I mean, I mean, I know everybody blew him up about what happened at Utah, and he did some really athletic stuff in that game. He wasn't even good in that game. And then he comes out there and kind of carves Tennessee's defense up. Um, you know, they they kind of ran out of gas and, and, and weapons and ammo there. Uh, they're kind of at the end and still got back in it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm high on Rocky Top's offense. I am not high on what Rocky Top's going to put out there defensively, and I think that's what's going to kind of make it a little tough on them to hang with the likes of Georgia and Alabama whenever those games come around. Sure. And by well, the time and, and, Georgia plays them later on in the year, I mean, you're, you're, you have gone through a lot of SEC mm-hmm. physicality too, which yeah, is in Georgia's I mean, favor. Tennessee's schedule from this past Saturday to playing Florida until they play Georgia, they play, and it's not in this exact order, but they had Florida, they go to LSU, they host Alabama, they go to Kentucky, and they have UT Martin in there as well. So four out of five games, uh, you know, five out of six, if you want to include that Georgia game uh, against ranked opponents. So, Meanwhile, Georgia's going to get the three worst teams in the SEC and then a week off. So Tennessee yeah. has a buy-in there as well, but yes. Georgia's schedule, definitely a topic of conversation this week that is way too complex to break down uh, in one episode here. But go, I check hear, out, go check out what Josh Brooks and Jerry Moorhead said on it Friday. I hear, I hear the fans' frustration, and both of the Jays did address it. It is what it is, man, but Georgia's got to find a way to continue to look really good because if there's anything that the CFP is going to hold against you, if there's ever anything between you and another team when it comes to getting in before this thing launches to 12 teams, it's how good was your schedule? How tough was it? And right now that is not something uh, working in Georgia's favor. Um, But, yeah, I mean, when you look at Tennessee, you look at Kentucky, you look at Florida, still – Still got to think that Georgia should feel good about its chances to navigate that, <laughs> navigate that schedule. But 
it is a one-game season each week, and a lot of crazy things happen in college football, guys. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate Chip on my shoulder, really keeping us active tonight. I hope Glenn Hartley's okay. A little quiet tonight. Uh, but Matthew C., Chip on my shoulder, well done. You guys have earned your hardware tonight in the comment section. Um, any final thoughts, fellas? Missouri coming up, big night game for Georgia. Uh, Columbia, typically not a place that gives Georgia too much trouble. It's not exactly a hostile environment. Um, but what are y'all looking forward to for this trip? Uh, well, uh, and looking forward to maybe going and seeing Albert Pujols play one of his last few games as a major leaguer. 700. Get some, uh, get some barbecue from the shaved duck um sadly palmer will not be joining me we usually have pretty good time on the on the road trips we're only going to send one person and not looking forward to a 6 30 local kickoff a late game and then a 6 a.m flight back to atlanta the next morning because it's a two-hour drive back to my hotel in st louis so that's gonna suck yeah i'm looking college towns that just don't help you out geographically yeah i i am looking forward to Staying home, Jake, safe travels to you. I know we'll catch up on Wednesday on here, and I'll see you tomorrow. I'm already tired just thinking about it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, looking forward to seeing Georgia get into the bulk of the SEC play, um, you know, playing seven straight conference games between now and the time that they take on Georgia Tech. So, Good deal, guys. Great work as always. Jake, we will uh... – strategize i'll help you plan out your trip i'll, I'll yeah. help you out with your you know your budget your your stay and your restaurant visits i know that you need some assistance on that you're a busy guy so uh we'll rely on the message board over at dogs hq i know everyone will have some recommendations when they're done worrying about georgia's victory over kent state thank you all for listening to the georgia show thank you for watching it uh as i say every time we do this we can't do it without y'all Y'all are a, uh, a fun group to chat with, either on these streams or on the board. We love it. It's a fun season. It's a good team. We'll talk more later on this week. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.